So that was the theme to the leftovers. Mm-hmm. If you play that backwards, you end up in like a weird zigzaggy carpet room. Uh, the the blue room is that what it's called? I I'm why would I know arm. if you don't know? <laughs> I am the arm. Welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. Hey, Part everyone. two of three of Listomania here, guys. It's it's the core three. It's just it's just oh, the boys. It's just the, the boys again. Mm, take less, but see it grow. I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. Drew Deason. Yeah. So this episode number nineteen, we're getting into the best TV of two thousand and seventeen. Wow. The big one nine, huh? Yeah. What were you guys doing when you were nineteen? Um, I mean, I know because I knew you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know what we were doing, but watching The Office, watching lots of Jeopardy, playing FIFA. Uh. Yeah, yeah. So today on the podcast, giving you part two of three of this Listomania extravaganza, and next week we're going to get into the best movies of 2017 with our final uh, part. So this episode, guys, you know, we're going to talk. We're going to give our our top tens of tv shows but are we really going to tell people what was the best no um we're well, not i'm gonna say because uh, at least for myself objectively from a objective and subjective uh place yes i am going to tell people oh, what okay. the best thing on tv <laughs> oh okay was. okay okay yeah. because subjectively you are objectively the smartest person in the fucking world yes yeah okay i went for my list i was waffling and I probably said this before, but I just decided to go from the heart because I've read enough very serious critical reviews and then the shows that they like are shows that are good and I watch them and I feel nothing. So I went with what I watched that made me feel. Well, I think that's how we all constructed our list just because there's, I mean, there's too much great TV on right now. So like everybody is going to list the same types of TV shows out there, but I feel like our list is going to be more about what we personally look for. Yeah, and what what do you guys look for? What makes a good TV show? Um, it being like a fucking piece of art. Art? You know, I, f- I don't remember. It may have been on The Watch where they were talking about this, but this year I found myself gravitating even more than normal toward comedy, maybe because of the current climate of everything. It just Like escapism? Like, yeah, it just mm-hmm. seemed like a better escape from everything. I didn't need tension in... Uh, my art because I already had it in reality kind of. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Um, Very true. But yeah, I guess it just kind of depends, but I also am just a big comedy fuckboy. You'll see in my list, it's like completely dominated I mean, by there comedy. was great comedy this year. Yeah. You know, whether it was escapist or not, we 
have some really good TV. I think that's one of the best things about living in this quote unquote peak TV era is that no matter what you're into, you're going to find something that you're going to feel was made for you. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. It's it's they're just hitting every niche. Yeah, and it's easier than ever to go back and watch old shows because if I could include old shows that I saw this year for the first time, there, my list would be totally different. Yeah, I mean, The Office would be number one every single year. Oh, every year. <laughs> yeah, no contest. <laughs> and just stupid like, like I've been watching, for example, clips from The Green Room with Paul Provenza on YouTube, which is just like a, a show where comedians just talk to each other in a comedy club. And it was on like Showtime. No one ever saw it, but it's just on YouTube. Like it's just easier now to watch like the most niche, like random thing possible. As long as it doesn't get taken down. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we get into the list, uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Danny Sawani, friend of the pod, who gave us some feedback from our music episode last week. Uh, Danny writes in. Um, some of his favorite albums were Flower Boy, mm. uh, Damn, Control was on there. But he did uh, say that he was very surprised that we were so into Migos and Cardi B and other mumble rap because he's on the complete other end of the spectrum and he loathes that stuff. But anyways, he loved everyone's top I, ten. How can you call Cardi B mumble no. rap? No, well, yeah, Cardi B doesn't. Is Cardi not B a is not mumble. Migos are closer to it, but Migos aren't even mumble rap. Like Future is mumble rap. Yeah. Cardi B is not mumble rap at all. I can understand what Cardi B is saying. I don't yeah. have to look up when all I, of her when lyrics. I hear mumble rap, I think of Yachty. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah. of which, his album this year was like maybe the biggest flop of the entire year. Oh yeah. Um, it had so much hype building up to it too. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's interesting. It's, I guess it's just a different, like what the things he were describing were pretty much trap. Even if Cardi B isn't talking about trap, her beats are completely oh, yeah, definitely. trap yeah. beats. Well, thanks for writing in, Danny. We appreciate everyone's <laughs> feedback. Um, so before we uh, talk about uh, favorite TV shows of the year, did you guys uh, hear that there was little award show that happened this past week oh I, I, yeah it's like the the lesser of the oscars it's the one that like people get fucked up about and they don't even remember who they give yeah awards it's the to. one where like ricky gervais is like oh the telly's mental in it <laughs> and we are like ha, 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 ha. the <laughs> globes the big old globes yeah we're all like you can't say that the Ricky. silver globes yeah so uh we don't have to get too into this but we did want to highlight some people that we were excited for winning um, like I think Sam Rockwell winning for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri was a big win because he probably did not expect that. Yes, but he, I do think he was the probably the most deserving for the supporting actor. I mean, it was between him and uh, Willem Dafoe for yeah. that. I thought. For the Florida Project? I mean, Willem that would Dafoe. have been that would have been a way better. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm happy for Rockwell, but Willem just, Dafoe would have been an incredible well, win. He, Rockwell just got a lot of screen time, which is what he had going right, for it. My yeah. personal vote above Defoe or Rockwell would have been Richard Jenkins for his role in The Shape of Water. That's just me personally, oh, just because yeah. I really think that he he was really yeah, lovely. He, he elevated that well, movie. Well, speaking of which, I'm very happy that Guillermo won uh, Best Director. Yeah, this that has was to a make him. One. This has to make him the favorite for director for winning Best Director Maybe. at the Oscar, which I, mean, I really hope so. The I mean, that was probably the best part of that movie. Is it was immaculately crafted. Like the shots, there's just that's one part that you can't even fault. Like you might have issues with the you know plotting or the structure or the pacing. But directing wise, it was just perfect. Yeah, I mean, it was flawless. Th this is something that maybe I brought up on the pod before, but I feel like for me at least, what makes a good director is 
maximizing the amount of information that you can get across within the frame in the shortest amount of yeah. time without necessarily using words exactly yeah, without any exposition yeah. or exactly anything. and that's something that the shape of water does beautifully especially in the opening scenes is yeah we understand so much about every character we're introduced to without any dialogue just mm -hmm. based on how guillermo yeah. chooses to uh block and direct it's just uh, shots the, the yeah scene. It's, it's amazing. Um, others that I'm happy about, I am very happy that James Franco won Best Actor in a Comedy because that was truly, I was impressed. I was expected to be disappointed because a lot of the time, when it's someone so unique as Tommy Wiseau or anyone else, in, and it's kind of a biopic or what have you, it just falls flat because they're, it's, you can't see anything except, oh, this is this guy doing this guy. But yeah. with him, it was like, this is perfect. And it was, he still made it like, you know, Franco is one of those people that you still see Franco, mm. but he kind of yeah. sunk into the role. He, yeah, he didn't you sink saw in. Tommy. He didn't sink in like visually. Obviously, you're like that's James, but he was truly you bought it. Yeah, like his performance was pitch perfect. Can um, we can we talk about the acceptance of that award though? Oh yeah, oh, did you guys man, see that? that? Really, it was really uncomfortable. It was okay. So if anyone didn't see it, what basically happened is James Franco accepted the award and he called Tommy up to the stage, and Tommy goes he wasn't sitting with the rest of the disaster artist people he was sitting by or with greg like in the back of the theater and he walks all the way up to the stage and goes straight for the microphone yeah james Franco hadn't even said like anything hardly and he gets, starts to grab the mic and james was like haha and he like no 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 for, james pushes him away oh yeah shove. anyway he like squint laughs to make sure everyone knows it's fine <laughs> like he just shoves him away from the mic without even giving yeah. him a, a, a peep and then he proceeds to impersonate him by reading a message from his uh, from his phone mm. about uh, Tommy's story trying to make it to the Globes like twelve years earlier. It's yeah. it's pretty uncomfortable. It was kind of pretty uncomfortable yeah. to watch. Um, Tommy Tommy then later went on to tweet a picture of him on stage, and he was like, "Dreams do come true," or something. And it's like, yeah, everyone wants <laughs> exactly what happened to you to happen to them, Tommy. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I thought it was in bad taste for James not to at least... I mean, you have the opportunity to let Tommy Wiseau say something at the Golden Globes and you just shove him aside. Yeah, <laughs> like that would have been such a gem just yeah, to see like, what the fuck Tommy is going to say in a movie that's made mocking him. Yeah, like, and it's like, I played you, but get the fuck out of my way. This was my time. <laughs> yeah, um, I... Um, another thought that I just had uh, looking through it was um, I still haven't seen I, Tonya yet. I should preface it by saying that. Oh, but, um, Allison Janey. Yeah. She's so fucking good in that movie. I just, I really wanted Laurie Metcalf to win that award. Uh, Laurie Metcalf oh, is Bird, yeah. amazing as the mother in Lady Bird. She's like, amazing in everything. She too. really is, but I was hoping Lady Bird was going to get more loves. I only ended up with two Oscars. Granted, it was two of the highest awards. Yeah, that's what I was. Best very, actress and best uh, yeah. comedy or musical. Georgia Ronan. I wasn't really expecting her to win that. Um, I'm very happy that it won best musical or comedy, though. That was a yeah, well deserved. Yeah, I was between that or Get Out for me. Um, the other thing, yeah, the other big winner was Three Billboards <laughs> with the uh, best film and um, Frances McDormand winning best actress. All right, guys, I have uh, a hot take that's becoming colder by the day because the backlash has already begun. I don't think Three Billboards is that great. I think it's a good movie, but... It's not, like, best picture it's good. It's not best yeah. picture good, and the more... I watched it leaving the theater, I thought it was great. And it's one of those movies that 
as I think about it more, I think about a lot of it's very problematic in some of the things that happen in that movie and how it's trying to stand for like race and equality, but yet there's no black leads in that film. I think Frances McDormand put on she deserves best best actress, like without a doubt for the Oscar. I mean, she won it for the Golden Globes for best actress in a drama, but she deserves the Oscar for that performance. But I really think that uh, Greta Gerwig was robbed for best screenplay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's an incredibly good screenplay. Like, that screenplay is so tight. It's um, so, so tight. But what you were saying about Three Billboards is kind of how I feel about In Bruges, mm-hmm. uh, Frances McDormand's other movie, which is a good movie by all means. Like, I really enjoyed it. But it's one of those movies that gets posted on Reddit every day for the past 10 years with someone being like, what a freaking gem. Like, what an undiscovered gem I found in this movie. <laughs> And then you watch it and you're like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but it's just, it's very, it has a very distinct tone to it. And I'm sure Three Billboards also does where it's extremely dark and it has like incredibly dark comedy to it. Yeah, it's weird that Get Out had got the um, comedy nomination and uh, Three Billboards didn't because you could really make the case that Three Billboards is a comedy. I would, yeah, I would definitely sure. say there's more laughs to be had in Three yeah. Billboards. As some a dark, dark comedy, some than dark, Get Out. yeah, some dark shit and happens, but it's always undercut with comedy. Every it is time. really hilarious. Like there are some laugh out loud moments in Three Billboards. But... That's what I like the most about that film is how you were able, like such dark shit happens in that movie, and Martin McDonough finds humor in every single thing that happens and you genuinely like laugh you're not like rolling your eyes at any of the humor it's like genuinely well-written humor yeah um another thing of note was that phantom thread and the post were shut out um i think that that mostly has to do with the fact that it's in such limited release right now that a lot of people in the hollywood foreign press haven't even seen it yeah, like for them to vote on it. I'm sure that that's going to change a lot with the Oscars. But I was surprised, especially because um, I don't know if y'all watched the monologue with uh, with Seth at the beginning of the show, but he like kind of made a joke about how the post oh, is going to I win everything, and then yeah. it won it won no awards. That was funny though, because yeah. Spielberg just put his head in his hands, and he was like, "Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> please don't do this." That's funny. All right, well, you guys have um, any more thoughts on the Globes? Just quickly on the television side, um. I don't remember who I heard talking about, but somebody I know um, was talking about that. It seemed that this was a really weird year for TV at award shows, so it seemed like they almost reverted back to what the Emmys voted for. So we have Handmaid's Tale winning. Of course. Um, I was happy to see The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I still haven't had a chance to actually watch it, but I've heard amazing things about it. Um, Drew, do you know the premise of of that show? Is it something about a freaking nanny? No, no, no. It's actually really interesting. <laughs> Some modern day Mary Poppins. Yeah. It's about a woman in the 1950s trying to be a stand-up comedian. Ooh, yeah, that's fun. Seems right up your alley. And then Big Little Lies was the biggest winner of the night in the TV side. And Nicole Kidman really Lord, dominated. Lord Dern. Yeah, and I'm gonna pretend like Laura Dern's nominate not uh, win was for Twin Peaks. God, this has really and been the year of Laura Dern. This yeah. really has been. I mean, she was in Star Wars and two great TV shows. Ewan McGregor's um, for Fargo. Yeah, great Kyle McLaughlin got Kyle McLaughlin got robbed though. Let's be honest. <laughs> Everybody's raving about Ewan McGregor. Oh, he played two different roles. Guess what? Kyle McLaughlin played three. And he killed it yeah, in yeah. all three. He played of those roles. Cooper, and then he played the mayor of Portland. And what was the third? <laughs> and he was also... Uh, and he was in Dune. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah. That's four. <laughs> Eat shit. Hollywood Foreign Press. All right. Well, that's the Golden Globes. Um, stay tuned for our thoughts on 
the Academy Awards in a couple episodes. Let's so just also preface this that this is all just a bunch of Hollywood big shots sucking each other's dicks. Yeah, so it really means nothing. At least the but Oscars is The like, Oscars have prestige to yeah. them for I mean, I guess we put prestige into it. Like yeah. Hollywood Foreign Press, it's always been the award show they're most susceptible to corruption and to people taking all these Such a small group taking of everybody voters. out to dinners and all these kinds of fine things. Like it's very easy to buy your vote with the Hollywood Foreign yeah. Press. Yeah. I mean it's all politics. Yeah, but that's all award Oh, especially go. with that Oprah speech. Bye. 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 2020. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's get into the best TV of 2017. The way we're going to do this is we're going to do some honorable mentions. I'm just going to go around and name some shows that didn't quite make it into our list. And then we're going to do our 10 through 6, all round-robin style. Um, and then we're going to take a break and do the rest of the list. All right. So... I'll start with my honorable mention. So I watched a lot of good shows this year, but I ran into a problem, which was I would start a show and I would get distracted by something else, whether it was, you know, better, quote unquote, or just more attention grabbing. Like there were a lot of shows that I'd started and I didn't finish. Mm. Um, so I can't quite name those shows as honorable mentions. Uh, shows I like mean, South Park, yeah. um, You're the Worst, um, you know, just... I have the I have the same problem with oh, so yeah, many definitely. shows. I have I, a list of shows that I need to finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and I just, unless there's like this screaming, like subconscious, like call in, in my head that I need to finish it, I'm probably not going to because there's just so much TV out there that I could be watching something, something else. So... For my honorable mentions, I have a couple of shows that I really wanted to put in my list, but because I had to narrow it down to 10, I just couldn't fit them in. But I really recommend that everyone check out these shows because they are all really, really, really good. They are Legion, the Noah Hawley show on FX about, it takes place in like the X-Men universe, stars Dan Stevens, and it's really, really cool. Very surreal. Um, doesn't get bogged down in all the superhero X-Men shit. It's all about the psychosis of a crazy person that just happens to have really strong mutant superpowers. Really, really good show. Uh, I think it's only eight episodes. Yeah, but, it's very yeah. easy to watch through. I have more thoughts because that actually did make my list. So oh, nice. I get my thoughts whenever okay. we get to it. Uh, next, I have Catastrophe mm. um, on Amazon Prime. Really, really good show, written and starring Rob Delaney, our baby boy daddy, mm -hmm. and uh, Sharon Horgan. It's a British production that gets put on Amazon Prime every year, and it's only six episodes just because they write and star in it. Really good show about marriage and relationships, and yeah. really honest and so fucking funny. I, so I fucking funny. That show is on my list. I love it so it's much. It's so good. Uh, next, I have Master of None on Netflix. Really strong season for Aziz. He actually just won a Globe for acting in it, and he won an Emmy for writing it, too. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I didn't like it as much as season one, although there, it does have some really standout episodes, namely the I Love New York one, which focuses on like a deaf person and her perspective, which is something I've never seen in a show ever. And which the audio for that section yeah. of the, is completely silent. It's, it, I was it's in incredible. awe. And uh, Thanksgiving, which focuses on the um, her his friend, the girl, 
I forget her name. I'm, I'm blanking her name. Yeah, too, but it's, it's okay. all like the story of every Thanksgiving from her and Aziz's childhood, and it's oof, that one brought the feels. Really, really mm. good episode, and then all the stuff in Italy too. Um, just really brought me back to spending time there and like seeing the the countryside of Italy and all the good food and is that relatable? Anyone? Oh yeah, it was yeah. it was great. Email us if you <laughs> two spent the summer in the countryside <laughs> of Italy. <laughs> Uh, and then I have Preacher, uh, which aired on AMC based on the graphic novel. Really good show. Um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are involved, along with Sam Catlin, who worked on Breaking Bad. And this is just a really like viscerally violent, stylistic show. It captures the essence of the graphic novel really well, which is probably one of my favorite books of all time. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Season two was really cool. Um, and it's sort of, it's still staying um, separate from the book, but hearkening back to it in really interesting ways because it's sort of telling its own story, but with all the same basic bu- building blocks of the book. So you can still be excited with having read the book of things to come, even though they're charting territory for a com- not a completely different story, but like its own version of the mm. story. Mm. Really cool. Recommend it. Um, and then Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which I've talked about um, on the pod a couple times before. It's Max Landis on BBC America. Really eccentric, really fun, super, super weird and crazy and wacky. And some of the dialogue and just the shit that happens in this show is like absolutely ridiculous. I had a great time with it. Uh, and then just two quick ones. Dear White People on Netflix, based on the film of the same name. Really cool. Um, Barry Jenkins directed an episode. Uh, of Moonlight fame. Of FSU fame? Yeah. <laughs> and Stranger Things on Netflix, the culture phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's those are your thoughts on Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. really. It's a cultural phenomenon, period. <laughs> those um, are my honorable mentions. Okay, I'll just name a few um, off the top. I, I made a list and I realized I saw through and through like the entire season 10 shows this year. So, <laughs> so my list is those 10 shows. Um, Future Man. I didn't finish the season, but what I saw, I absolutely loved of this show. Yeah, shout out to Brett. Yeah, yeah, Brett, uh, friend of the pod, uh, rest in peace, no longer with us. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, pour one out. Ring the bell for Brett. <laughs> um, he, yeah, it's it's just a really really great. It's well produced. It's a Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg starring Josh Hutcherson, and it's just a very funny. We talked about it. I mean, yeah, he talked about it on the pod, yeah. but. I only saw three Fs, but if I were to finish it, 110% would be on my list. And it's renewed for a second season. Yeah, I, I thought it was a hilarious show. It's on Hulu. Um, One that I inexplicably didn't watch but would make my list if I had, definitely, is BoJack Horseman. Because that's a show that I do love. Yeah, I just didn't watch it. Yeah, I, I just didn't. I, <laughs> I had the. the same, I just didn't finish it. And I, I had the whole snafu with watching the wrong season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a whole season behind. Yeah, I remember. I was that. like, yeah, realized. this this is fine. I I remember what happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, but that, oh, they're doing a bit right now. Oh, they yeah, yeah they they skip forward in time. <laughs> um. So yeah, that I mean that's that's a great great show that I just didn't watch this year. Um. What else? One even. I mean, I I. Everything that you said, I mean, covered whatever. What yeah. else I have SNL. on my list? Yeah, SNL is having a bad year. To yeah, be honest, I, I mean, shout I, out to Kyle. Yeah, they're just SNL is having a bad Life. five years. <laughs> like the last time SNL was truly good was probably like 2011, maybe. 2012 was a solid yeah, season because a lot of the cast was still there. Yeah, the golden cast. It's just, I mean, I I feel lucky because everyone 
you know, the old saying is like, whichever cast you had in middle school is your favorite cast for life. And we just happen to have like the best cast when yeah. we were in middle school. Like it's truly compared to the cast now, it's fucking ridiculous. Like there's just not much going on. Many, right now. many shout out to um, Silicon Valley, which had mm. probably one of its weaker seasons while still being a pretty good show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, best late night show accolade I would give to Seth Meyers this year with Colbert in a close second. He started shaky and then he really found because he was on CBS. So the I'm sure the network would be like, hey, we want kind of a straight down the middle late night show. Mm. And he really found his audience by doing biting political commentary, um, which may go against the CBS traditional demographic. But it's what people want from their main late night guy, which is reflected in the fact that he passed Jimmy Fallon pretty fucking quickly. And he, he had to shake the whole persona from Comedy Central. Yeah, he, uh-huh. he shook the, you know, Stephen Colbert fake guy but he became Stephen Colbert the actual person who also has this you know the same opinions as well I mean the opposite because his character was by the way that show was unbelievable in retrospect Colbert Report that's one of the best comedy central oh my god it's amazing like it's it's so great and what's funny about it is that so many people like took his views actually like literally Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) just what's incredible about it um it was just it was ridiculous satire five days a week Really, if we That's were doing, crazy. if we were just talking late night hosts, we could have a full discussion just about that because Seth Meyers is doing some awesome yeah. things, Seth, I, and John Oliver. I mean, he won the Emmy recently, mm-hmm. even though his his special is only or his late night is only once a yeah. week. Seth, last week tonight, but. Seth Meyers is my favorite late night guy to watch because he is the only one that carries on the old Conan tradition of having his writers come on and do weird bits. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. Um, like he'll have his former writer Connor O'Malley come on and do interpretive dance to like the Frasier theme song and it's it's just little things like that that like it bred the current generation of writers of shit that we watch right now like they're all like oh yeah I used to watch Conan's weird shit and that's why I wanted yeah. to write comedy R.I.P. Craig Ferguson oh uh, yeah oh man Craig uh he yeah he had a fun show um but yeah those those were my late night awards uh I didn't I only watched one episode of South Park this year I'm kind of I feel like I might be wearing wearing thin on South Park. They've always had their point of view has always been like, "Hey, both sides suck." <laughs> but like, I feel like in this climate, like it's, it's not the best. Yeah, view. <laughs> the gap is kind of growing. Whichever side you're on, you don't agree with that anymore. Yeah, you know? I will say that uh, this is this year is drrastically improved over last year. Like last year was. One of the oh, you watched you watched all of South Park? I didn't finish it. Oh, no, okay. it's on my list of shows to finish. But um, all in all, I thought that this was a dramatic improvement. Um, I still think my favorite season. I can't remember which number it was. It might have been like eighteenth or nineteenth. I know the last couple episodes were the Game of Thrones episodes, which were great. But that whole season is pretty golden. Um, are there any other shows that you wanted to mention, Drew? Uh. I, I need. I know. I need to watch. I have. I mean, I have a giant list of shit I need to watch, but that would be incredibly boring to talk yeah, about. So yeah. I'm not going to. Hunt. Yeah, you go ahead, Hunter. Okay. Um, really, mine is also because I also I ran into pro- similar problems that y'all were having, where there's just too much great TV on that. If something didn't capture my attention by episode three or four, then I kind of fell off with it. Yeah. Um, shows that I really want to get around to finishing that really did capture me were The Young Pope godless 
Um, the Young Pope was one of the craziest things I've seen on yeah. TV. We like, saw the we saw the first couple episodes. We did, and, and we I was like, like, "What?" I watched it, and I was like, <laughs> "This is made for me." Because I love weird <laughs> shit. I love when creators and directors are willing to take drastic chances that are not popular choices. Like, I just I love that shit. So I feel like The Young Pope was made for me. Godless is a show that I really can't wait to finish. I've seen two episodes. I really love it, but it's a show that's. You're, it's Pretty not slow. a binge show. Like yeah. I feel like it was a weird choice to put it on Netflix because it's a show that does best if you sit and kind of mull over it because it's a very slow show. Um, the only other place it could exist, though, is HBO because no network could have that show. No, no, know? definitely not. Yeah. They wouldn't take a risk on something <laughs> like that. Um, and then there was, uh, okay, Dark was another one. I've seen the first few episodes of Dark. I know Brett also uh, finished Dark, and he loved, and he was a big fan of it. But Yeah, um, my, my dad really recommended that to me. Yeah, I, I've seen the first ep- few episodes, and I really love the vibe of it. Um, Dirk Gently... So we've talked about Black Mirror. I've seen uh, the first two mm, episodes. That's another one I would mention. Yeah, I saw the first two, and I—I I mean, it's the first. The I second one is a, a little bit of a drop. The first one, I love the first episode, the Star Trek episode. Yeah, I think that that you know it's what? very very creative. Did um, we mention? I don't know if we, but you know what the biggest twist of the second episode is. When it ends and it says directed by Jodie Foster. <laughs> You're like, whoa! What? Black Mirror does it again. <laughs> That's the real twist. Um, but there was a couple shows that, because I mean, we should say, like, we're not TV critics. We don't get paid to watch things. So there's a lot of shows that, yeah. like, can't we just didn't hundreds get. hundreds of hours to this I, shit. Really, I can't wait to watch Big Little Lies. I haven't gotten around to watching Big Little Lies, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Room 104. Um, even my hunter. I watched some of Room 104 and I really dug it. I would want to go back and see that. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's just a there's so much shows. Um, insecure, as as, insecure, insecure on HBO. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as honorable mentions, I really just have one, and I'm saying this as a threaten a threat to the two creators, and that is Game of Thrones did not make my list. <laughs> I I was I was going back and forth with it, and I just decided Couldn't, it's between yeah. this and my number ten, which I'm going to talk about. Which both of them had drastic drops in quality this season, and I feel you like had to knock them for it. I had to. You I gotta yeah, give them. A, just, it's a warning. You it's know, a thing. They'll see this and they'll be like, "Oh, <laughs> this is similar to how uh, every day our music uh, yeah, podcast. I, I did you, arcade. You fire. did arcade fire at number yeah. ten because it's you have to almost threaten them. Yeah, like, I was like, watch it. Game of Thrones. It's still better than. At least 75, 80% of television, but it's not it's not great yeah. right now. Like, I mean, this I season would, was not great. I would still say that Game of Thrones is probably one of the top five shows ever produced of all time. Oh, well, definitely. If we're just talking about its yeah. entire career, absolutely. But I just mean there were... This season in okay, particular. I will say, with this season, um, there were some very high highs, some, like Loot Train... Yeah. Was even the finale one of the highest of highs? Even the finale was great, but there were also like I would say Dude, the East lowest watch lows. by the sea. Oh my god! Literally the lowest lows of the entire series, yeah. in which it characters did very, very like just things that you're like, this person wouldn't do that. Tyrion isn't that much of a fucking idiot. Like it was just infuriating at points yeah. i would I mean, say east watch by the sea we watched that together yeah. we were like oh my god are you fucking kidding yeah. me now they have a fucking <laughs> white walker looking creature and like a goddamn like oh god it was so <laughs> shitty it was just well, ugh, ugh. i mean the thing with with that episode is it's probably one of the most expensive episodes of tv ever produced it looks like a walking dead episode 
well some shots yeah, yeah. It, it would like it would like alternate between like really shitty looking effects with like really good effects but when it comes down to the story and what actually happens plot wise in that show it just I get angry just thinking no, about it. No, that's the thing is because you can tell, like, you can see the increase in the budget. You can see that on the screen. Yeah. I think that there were a couple bad shots, but for the most part, it's still, like, the best-looking show on TV. The problem with it is, is the stories that Benioff and Weiss, it feels... I can't tell. It's either one of two things, in my opinion. Either they already have one foot out the door and they're ready to move on to something else... They're ready to move on to their what if the Civil War, if the Kill South me. actually won. Yeah, what if there were still racists? <laughs> there, I think that it's either that or that they are just trying to – they're just ready to move on to the final season. And they're just like, all right, guys, everybody be patient with us. In time, you'll just think of season seven yeah. and season eight well, as one entity and everything is going to pay off in season eight. But that doesn't make for a good well, season of television. I mean, the other the other issue at hand is that they couldn't – it seems like they kind of couldn't do what Damon Lindelof and the Leftovers crew could do, which is outpace the material of what they were basing it on and then sure. come up with their own shit and still have it be good. Exactly. Or better. Yeah, better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the leftovers, don't y'all worry. Because yeah, somebody's it, been binging. It, yeah, I think it might have been on my list. <laughs> Maybe. Um, that didn't make my honorable mentions or my top ten. <laughs> but no, yeah, but I just I'm I was extremely disappointed with game of thrones to say the least this year i still think it was good i haven't given up on the show it's not like i'm not gonna watch the the final season but i was just i was expecting so much more yeah and that just leads into my number 10 which is game of thrones Mm. okay Yeah. yeah so it almost didn't make your cut i i couldn't knock it down from the list just because i had a hard time separating it from the rest of the show i couldn't I couldn't um I couldn't really bring myself to do that necessarily because it's such a good fucking show that mm. I couldn't like I couldn't just look at it as one season. Yeah, it's hard to iso- do. Isolated style, it you can, know? That can be really hard to do. I uh infamously among my condo don't watch uh Game of Thrones. I mean, I've seen plenty of episodes. I'm kind of in the Pete Holmes school. He has a little bit he did on Conan or something once where he was like, what's a game? No, <laughs> no. He was just like, I know it's great. Like, you don't have to tell me. It's great. But he his whole bit is like, I hear realms and I'm out. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he, once you hear a made up realm, you're like, nope. Sorry, yeah. Not yeah. For me. Well, my my thoughts on this season are that they they came up with an end point. It's very clear that they had one situation in mind for the finale that they knew they had to get all of these characters together that were on completely separate sides of the world and the way they got them there was very very shaky but once they were together it fucking paid off because it was a really really satisfying episode getting there some of the worst episodes of the of the series but once they were there it was very satisfying because that's what television is all about Week after week, you're hanging out with your buddies. You're checking in what's going on with Brienne, what's going on with Sansa, you know, what's happening here, what's happening there. Mm. Jon Snow, Tyrion, 
you know, 15 minutes later, I'm still listing names of characters on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> no, but, but, but we'll edit like, that out. But it's like, it's like TV is, this is what it is. It's about seeing your favorite characters come together. And in Game of Thrones, they had never come together. Mm-hmm. They were always completely yeah, separate. It's like the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like that. So it was really satisfying to see these characters like interact with each other for the first time. Mm. I mean, that was one of the best parts. So game Bowl. Yeah, well, oh boy. Pre-Cleganbowl. <laughs> I've, I mean, I've watched at least a couple episodes from every season just from having, because everyone I know watches it. And just passingly, like I would hang out with you guys while you were watching this season and the chunks of dialogue were just not as well, good. Well, they don't have the, sor- the classic source material anymore. George yeah. R. R. Martin isn't, he, he hasn't even worked in... Uh, this past season, he wrote, he helped write the script for Hard Home and um, uh, oh my the God, door. That's such a good like, episode. The door and Hard Home. He helped write those episodes, and he wasn't around to yeah. help write the script like, for this one. Yeah, because in previous he's too busy tells. getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> he's too busy not writing the next game for of the Thrones first book. time in his life. He's getting pooned. Yeah. It paid off. <laughs> um, in previous seasons, I would watch it, and even without knowing the full context, I would be like, that is the most eloquently written scene I've fucking seen. Mm. And in this season, it would just be like, man, like the the circumstances called for great, great lines. You know, it would just be this crazy meeting of these characters, and it, it would just fall so flat. Yeah. Like, it would be like, what? And that's, that's what they're saying? Yeah. And that's what's so sad, because what makes Game of Thrones so fucking good is the fireworks that go off when you have these really eloquent characters speaking to each other just people in rooms talking it's like that's what that's what and that was one of the best lines in the entire show this season was Tyrion said that uh wars aren't won on the battlefield wars are won by uh like uh people with power talking in a room yeah and one of the standout moments in, of this season was the loot train battle. I mean, that was a great, great episode because it did end That was one on, of the best-looking battles of the entire series, if I not mean, the... it rivals movies. Yeah. Like... Oh, without a doubt. It's, it looked incredible. Like, fucking Daenerys riding in on the dragon oh, and just they, scorching yeah. the battlefield. They throw some but, fucking money at but the show. To your, yeah. to your point about those scenes of characters interacting with each other being so great, what makes them so great, in my opinion, is... The three episodes in between discussions that you have of characters just traveling together, of just like just bonding, just to get two characters just mm. going on a journey together, talking yeah. like that's that's what sets up everything else. And because of the shortened episode count, we did not get those moments, which were they would so just teleport from one destination to and the it next. It was just, it was just, it was bothered me so much because I was like, can we just get like yeah. just. Brienne and whoever just like on a journey. Brienne and Sansa just like chatting. Mm-hmm. It's not about shit. it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. I learned that on MySpace eleven years ago, <laughs> and it's still true. I still think that this is a good show, and I still think it's. I still think that's one of the best shows on TV. The 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 acting is still on point. You know, it, it's still very well produced. They they haven't dropped the ball completely, and I'm hopeful that they're gonna just bring it home in that final season. All right, I'm just gonna go with uh, Drew's Star Wars argument on this season. Are you ready, Drew? (laughs) I think that there was three good episodes, two great episodes, and two bad episodes. Therefore, it's just a good season. Yeah, Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, that's that's how you look at it. All right, Drew, what is your number 10? Number 10, for me, as I pull up my list, because I have a fucking goldfish brain, 
<coughs> is Stranger Things. So as I said, I watched 10 shows this year through and through. I was only comfortable putting shows on my list that I watched the entire season, not even like three-fourths. So it made the list by default, but the, the more that I think about this season, I don't like it. I just... Like we were, I don't know if we talked about this on the pod, but some of the things that happen, it's just like, like the I never finished it. The, to be perfectly honest, some missed opportunities I, for sure. I honestly don't even remember if I finished it. I, it's just <laughs> I don't remember anything. Like you, I mean, did you see the kids going to the homecoming dance? No. Oh, oh. spoilers. <laughs> well, There's that's homecoming. the last episode. But just like me and me and Colin were talking about this. The Paul Reiser, the bad guy, the suits. They bring him into their lab and they're like, "Hey, here's how we're evil. Here's all the bad shit that we're doing." Now, don't tell anyone. And then they just let him go. Yeah, that's that's, the, that is the laziest piece of shit writing I've ever heard yeah. to be in a show that is supposed to be good. Also, they there was the massive opportunity to make Will the full-on yeah. villain of the yeah, show. Yeah, they could have villain. That would have Will. taken too much... And have too him much balls. Yeah, have him go up against Eleven in like a yeah. massive showdown. They, it would have been amazing. The newer characters weren't so developed. Um, whatever the opposite of a Mary Sue is, that's what um, the you know the new jock kid is. Dude, I he's I kind of liked him. <laughs> just how like in like campy. a shitty kind of yeah. yeah he's like, very eighties. He was like. because he's in a very eighties movie sense. He is uh, thirty years old and he's playing like yeah. a kid. Dude, there is a scene. I'm pretty sure it's one. It's if not the last episode, it's the second to last episode. It may be the last one. He has a scene with Mike's mom where they are like about to fuck. <laughs> like Christ. they are flirting it up because as as you know, Mike's dad is like a cuck. Yeah. yeah. So this dude comes in like chiseled as fuck, just like just slurping it up, dude. You know I was what? like, okay. I was in I, awe. I, I was in awe. I take back everything bad I said. <laughs> I, was like, I cannot believe this, this, this is happening in this show um, right now. It just, I. This was this season was a really big deal for me. It was kind of a launching point as to is this show really gonna you know hold up? Is it gonna be a thing or is it just gonna be another you know grand idea where the creators maybe had a whole lot of time to work on season one, so they really poured their soul into it, and now all of a sudden they have nine months to work on season two, and they're like, oh fuck, oh fuck, what are we gonna do? It, I think it, that's it is what kind I of, yeah. That's what I felt like. It mm. felt like they didn't have rushed. enough time, and they were like, uh, okay, we, we got to bring in a, a new redhead girl and like her jock brother, and yeah, yeah I just like I found, I, it, well, I mean, it's it was a thing all throughout Stranger Things is just like that. I mean, it, there's nothing original or groundbreaking, anything about it. It was just always meant to be enjoyable, nostalgia-type yeah. things that you watch, it and you're like, oh, man, this reminds me of E.T. and Gremlins. Yeah, it was just, but, that's the thing. It was kind of in the lane of, like, it had to have enough originality to not be annoying, and I think this season it lost what it had. And, well, I mean, I'd say that that also feeds into that they're just not willing to take any risks whatsoever, hence why they won't make Will the bad guy, because that would be too big of a risk to make one of these main kids that we've learned to love a bad character. And for that point, it's just gotten generic. It's just, we're literally, the bad guys are men in suits. That's, it's, that's it. It's just like they're one step away from like next season, they bring in Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Yo. They just go full on. Like, I'm back in at that point. Yeah. They bring in John Connor next year. Dude. And he's, his name is John Connor. Yeah. I mean, I think the acting was really good, especially from the kid's point of view. Yeah. Acting got better, but story wise and script wise, it just it got worse this year. It's just worse. Um, and it just, you know, as I said, it made my list by default, but if I had watched one more show, it would not have made my list. 
like Future Man would beat this for me. Right. Yeah. Even though, and this is funny to say, but it is not. It's still not a bad show. Like no, it's we, no, it's we not just, bad. That's the there thing. Should, is it? Yeah, there's the majority of television is not even on our radar, and the majority of it is just worse than anything that we watch. Like yeah. Be- because I we, mean, The Good well, Doctor is my number one. Maybe yeah, dude. Yeah, okay. Law and Order SVU. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, I can comfortably call it better than any of that. You know, schlock that's on uh, major networks right now. But it's just still in terms of what I watched this year because I try obviously for the pod and just in you know general we try to watch shit that's good. Yeah. And there's you know where it's the 21st century where you can get online and find out consensus wise what is good. Um, and this just really did not get me going like last season did. Last season, I thought was very special in the fact that it towed the line between being completely unoriginal and still original. And I thought that's that's a hard thing to do. Mm. And I think they proved it this year because they couldn't do it a second time. All right, Hunter, what is your number 10? My number 10, which um, I'm just going to give quick thoughts on because I know it's going to make both of y'all's list. Um, I have Rick and Morty, wow. number 10. See, that's what I thought you were going to say. I honestly... Rick and Morty, I think that the the first two seasons are incredible. Like they were the best thing on television, and there Visionary. were some there were some really high highs this year, but there were also some really lows. There were like, a couple stinkers. There were a couple stinkers, and a show that had been pretty much flawlessly scripted. Even if every joke doesn't nail, there's so many jokes flying at you nonstop that you'll still be laughing while also being totally intrigued by what's happening and i'm not going to fault this on completely on the show because they were trying to do something different this year in that they were trying to have more of a truly episodic having a overarching story between this divorce happening with uh rick and uh summers or i mean jerry uh, and beth yeah <laughs> you have both names wrong. Yeah. <laughs> between morty and summers <laughs> morty and summers parents yeah, is what i was going oh, for okay. um <laughs> No, I mean, and there were some amazing episodes. Like, uh, I think that Rick Lantis mix-up, Morty's yeah. Mind Blowers. Like, there were some great episodes. But overall, I just found myself where in other seasons, I was happy to go back and forth between A and B story. A, B, and C story just because all of them are intriguing and engaging. There were some episodes where I was like, can we just get back to this episode, to this other arc? And sometimes it wasn't even the like the main central arc of the of the episode. Like mm. the A story wasn't what was captivating me. It was the other yeah uh, the other side things of what was also happening. Yeah, I mean, I should say like I don't want to dismiss this show because I still thought it was really good. But it's been it better. Just, it's definitely been better. And overall, I think this season did take a dip in quality. But I think that they are trying to figure things out. Like, I don't want to dismiss... I'm not going to dismiss the show at all. I still love the show. Absolutely mm. love it. But they're trying to figure things out where making this more of a show about plot and not just a single episode, which yeah. I appreciate. I just... Yeah. It just takes time to work out the kinks. Yeah. I'll, I'll get more into... Because I have similar thoughts about this season, and I have, like, other reasons that I want to get into, but I'll... Oh, wait. So that was your number 10? Yeah. Okay. My number 10. So Ernest, what's your number 9? My number 9 is Fargo. Mm. Season 3 on FX. Noah Hawley, created by Mr. Noah Hawley. Um, so season 3 of Fargo is... It's tough because this is a show that reinvents itself every season. Uh-huh. Each season, we're introduced to a new cast, um, new characters, same setting, same world, but a whole new story. 
And this year, it's still a good show, but it's tough to, like, get into it if you're not coming back to the same characters, if you're not growing oh, from yeah, it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's, it's like the it's, true detective model. Yeah, it's like it starts up again, and you're just like, oh, okay, I got to get invested again because I, I got to meet a whole new cast, you know, all new actors. But the 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 acting is what really drove it home for me this year because – even though this may arguably the, be the worst Fargo season, you had Ewan McGregor, David Thewlis in like a slimy, just disgusting villainous role. Um, you may know him f- as um, from Harry Potter. God, yeah, what's yeah. his name? Um, uh, his, Lupin. Um, Lupin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, Carrie Coon was in there. And the possibly MVP of 2017, other than Laura Dern, Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah, from, he's had a great year. Yeah, he's had an awesome from, year. Timothy uh, Chalamet Sh- yeah. from Shape of Water. Um, so Fargo, I I have a soft spot for this show just because it took the Coen Brothers film and it created a whole world out of it. It, it made it into almost like a cinematic universe sort of. It thing. is a very cool show conceptually. Yeah. yeah. So one and two are both great, but three is its own thing. And and I think what Noah Hawley is trying to do here is paint in the same like icy color palette Mm. and there's only so much you can do in the frozen tundra of fargo north dakota um that you can't he can't experiment as much as he can on legion you can't do as much of the weird things as as you think he could do i mean season two of fargo i think may be a fucking masterpiece so you like season two over season one season two is unbelievably good because you you watch season one and you're like, hey, this is really good. Like, you got Martin Freeman, you got Billy Bob Thornton. It's like it's a fun show. It's like how how could a Coen Brothers almost rip off slash adaptation be so good? And you're like, oh my god, this is so good. And then season two comes in with fucking Ted Danson mm-hmm. and Kristen Stewart. Kristen Kristen Dunst. Oh, uh, Kristen, Kristen Dunst. Dunst. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's like this isn't a good place. <laughs> Kristen Dunst. Um, and that's Kristen Bell Hunter. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Wait, let's get our Kristen straight here, guys. And uh, this whole pictures? this whole <laughs> cast of characters that two is so fucking good. Like it takes place in the seventies and all the crazy shit that goes mm. down. I I would recommend that you watch just season two. Of I, I've seen season two. Yeah, it's the one with Michael Weston from Burn Notice, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my Holy god, shit. my name Weston's is Michael Weston. It? Jesus Christ, yeah. it's completely its own thing, completely separate from everything else <laughs> that's happening. That's a terrific season. Oh TV. my god, it's fucking which incredible. Burn Notice season are we talking about here? <laughs> oh, every season of Burn Notice. But but made my list. <laughs> season three of Fargo, um, it, it still brought it. It wasn't as good as two, but it still brought it, and I still felt like all the performances were great, and it told a really interesting story about capitalism and just your everyday man trying to make it in America, because that's what the Ewan McGregor mm. character is doing. He's He owns parking lots. He just owns fucking parking lots, and he's trying to make money by parking cars on his parking lots, and he gets wrapped up, of course, classic Coen Brothers Fargo, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wrapped up in this, like, coincidence yeah, fucking like a wacky thing yeah weird shit of crime and and just bad luck and it makes for a really so really strong to, season of tv i have to ask you do you think he was deserving of the golden globe win 
for best yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, just because series. of the dual role. Um, the two characters. You should he preface plays, this by saying you haven't finished Twin Peaks yet. I haven't finished Twin Peaks, but I've, <laughs> I've seen up to episode seven. Uh, I love what Kyle McLaughlin is doing in, in Twin Peaks, and I do believe that he would have been deserving of the award. But I don't mind Ewan getting the Globe just because he does play. He plays twins, and there are scenes I haven't seen. I haven't finished Twin Peaks, so I haven't seen Kyle McLaughlin talk to himself yet. I don't know how he does with that. But when you have two Ewans in the same room talking to each other in two completely different roles. They feel very distinct. You buy it a hundred percent. Because one one is just like a very made man. Mm. You know, he he's got the money, he's got the life, he's got the riches, he he knows where he's at in his life. He's he's very confident in his success. And the other guy is like a corrections officer and he's fat and ugly and, and bald and he mm. doesn't really know where he's going. Also, shout out to uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead who is absolutely phenomenal really? in I the show. I didn't realize that she was in this season. Yeah, she's a fucking badass. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is a great actress. I yeah. really that she starts to get more work. What's been a thing? There's been a major thing now that we're on the discussion of multiple roles in a film in a show. It's been a big theme this year. James Franco did the same thing with The Deuce. Oh, yeah. Which I we should have mentioned as shows that I that we need to watch just because I've heard nothing but fantastic things. We Harry was mm. a huge huge uh, uh, advocate for the Deuce whenever he came on the podcast. Yeah, maybe it's. I mean, I could see it as a <clears throat> a way to get big name actors to sign a deal. You know, to be yeah, like, this is a, this is an Oscar role, bro. On, bro. Yeah. Um, okay, right, number go, nine, Drew. My number nine is a Pete Holmes joint. Crashing. Oh, crashing. Nice. Okay. So this is a show. Should have given that an honorable mention. I I have been a big Pete Holmes fan for probably three or four years because he his podcast was the first I ever really got into. Uh, you made it weird with Pete Holmes, and it it really and inspired me. It 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 really I don't know. It changed my perspective on pop culture and comedy and everything. Uh, you know, despite how sometimes pretentious he may sound on it, it's a very he means well. It's it's just a really great podcast. You do not hear conversations that open anywhere else. Period. It's like if Mark Mel- Marin were warm. Yeah. You know, he gets he gets things out of people that you just can't get out of people. Him and Howard Stern are the only two people that they can get people to say anything. Pete Holmes does it by just being incredibly nice and like open and inviting. Howard just does it by you know questioning you until you say it. Um, so I've been a big fan for a long time. His show, I was looking forward to probably more than I liked it. Um, it's it's an HBO show. It's you know it's, it's Judd Apatow. Yeah, Judd Apatow produced, so it's gonna have a similar feel to like Love or Girls or you know anything he does, where it has the naturalistic improvisational tone. Uh, I think it's just it it's funny. Like it's a good show. It's it's much like the big sick it's uh autobiographical it follows him after he was cheated on by his wife and divorced her and then he's just the show is about him crashing on various comedians couches in new york city um it's a good show it has you know cameos galore that make you happy if you're a comedy fan um Artie lang i think that well that's more than a cameo yeah that's that's a straight up role but i just I think the problem with it and why it's not higher on my list is that it came into a market that is just now oversaturated with, I just saw another show um, just this week that is the exact same thing. There's so many shows right now about comedians playing more or less themselves trying to make it in yeah. comedy or in film or in Even, whatever. Even, yeah, movies, I was going to so, say, like, we've had multiple of those. Yeah, so 
Love is one of these shows also produced by Apatow. Mm. Um, the one I just saw is Alone Together with Esther Pravitsky. So, it, and also uh, Difficult People with Billy Eichner and mm. Julie Klausner, yep. which is a great show. So it just, it came into a market of a premise that is A, not creative, and B, done. Has been done. At least it takes place in New York. The, it's almost like New York is a character in the, <laughs> in the show. It's just, it's a good show. It is funny. It gets genuine laughs. I just don't think he has enough of a twist on it to make it an impactful show. I don't mm. think it's going to really make waves ever. With that said, I think... Season two is coming. Yeah, with that said, season two is very soon, and I would call it worth watching, definitely. And I do think season two will be better than season one. Yeah, it's tough to see Pete as like a full-on actor. Yeah, I will say his act... I've seen... I haven't finished season one, but I will say um, his acting isn't great at points. Um, yeah. You can definitely... Like, he's a he's a stand-up comedian by trade. He's not an actor, which is... They're two def- very yeah. different things. It's, yeah, it's... I do like the writing, though, because he shits on himself, mm-hmm. yeah, as he should. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, he, it's, it's definitely... It's a good show. I just don't think it... You know, it has the... Uh, I guess the oomph behind it to to become something that people really talk about ever. Yeah. Um. But I mean, I I just love me some P D Holmes. Ooh. All right, Hunter. What is your number nine? Um. So my number nine. Um. I've talked about it before on the show. I again. Uh. My girlfriend and I. We watch a ton of documentaries. Like I'm a huge doc fan. And my number nine is the documentary series The Keepers, which I've talked about here on the show before. It uh. Centrally, the central part of the story revolves around um, the murder of sister Kathy Sesnick and uh, investigation into Father Joseph Maskell, who murdered her. And he also went on to basically rape and molest hundreds of women who attended this uh, Keough Catholic school for girls. Um, this all takes place in the late 60s or so, but this was a thing that uh, Maskell had been known for doing for years and years. And this show, what's so amazing behind it, aside from the direction by Ryan White, who does an incredible job of linking episodes together, 